The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show. I'm Marty Gold. This is episode 51 of season two. Uh, Once again, I kick things off by thanking uh, not only our uh, new uh, followers on Facebook, our new listeners to the podcasts, uh, but especially those of you that have uh, provided me with your email addresses so I can add you to the distribution list. Um, Facebook, since uh, some of you may be wondering, Sometimes they let us post our stories if we do it a certain way. Sometimes they don't. And even though we are far from supportive of any of these this legislation that has caused the dispute between the Trudeau government and media outlets, and uh, we note that the outlets, the major corporate outlets that uh, urge the government to engage in these kinds of uh, pay-for-link uh, actions and legislation that they have not shown a moment of contrition or a moment of concern for the likes of independent journalists, independent reporters, uh, independent platforms such as as the Great Canadian Talk Show and others like me. Uh, they continue to bellyache and whine and cry. Uh, in my case, I'm just forging ahead because I believe that this will one day get resolved. As I said, there's some ways we can post the stories to Facebook, some ways we can't. Uh, of course, they're always available through uh, Spotify, uh, and you can subscribe directly to the podcast, get notification when the new ones are out. But I urge you, uh, if you're interested, and you must be because you're listening to me right now, uh, to send me your email address at martygoldlive at gmail.com. I'll add you to our distribution list. The more most recent podcasts, again, showing the upward trend that I referenced, uh, that uh, I'm, certainly we're, I'm certainly very grateful for, that uh, people are listening, they're listening more, they're listening more often, they're listening to more episodes, uh, and the net result is uh, not just an uptick in, in you know, following, so to speak, but an uptick in interest from potential advertisers and sponsors, and again, if you're interested in doing so, uh, sponsoring segments on this program or specific episodes, such as the Crime Court's Public Safety Update, which is uh, sponsored now t- until the uh, end of the election period, then by all means, get a hold of me and we'll work something out that'll make you a happy camper and show the public that you support the efforts that we're putting out to not only cover the election and cover City Hall, but cover the stories that matter. Um, among those stories, uh, the family uh, speaking out about the killer of Paul Radicatch, dying while in custody, that is, has, is one of our top 10 rated episodes. Uh, quietly, the thugs are taking over Winnipeg neighborhoods. In particular, uh, that episode focused on a neighborhood in St. Boniface. That also, tremendous, uh, I almost used the term listener-age, but I don't think that's quite a word. Uh, but uh, we try. Um, another one that has actually become our most listened to of all time, a former magistrate, 88, was Sunday Punch at a downtown bus stop. That episode put out on August the 9th. That has overtaken all others to become the leader. Uh, and uh, coming up soon, I'll publish a, a specific list, uh, and that'll uh, come adjacent adjacent to, adjacent with, adjacent in, uh, in the new website, which we're aiming for before the Labor Day weekend, fingers crossed, a few little glitches, you know, things don't quite redirect the way you want them to or link, but it's sharp looking. It's going to have all, not just these podcasts, 
but reports that I've done in years past, some which will definitely come in handy when it comes to covering the provincial election. And so it goes with this episode, number 51. I'll be uh, talking firstly about the provincial election. Second part of the program, a crime courts and public safety update with an emphasis on a court case brought to my attention by a longtime friend and uh, journalist here in town who wanted to hear what I thought about a pretty pretty funny back and forth in a courtroom. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be ta- giving you my take on that uh, in part two. So stick with us. <clears throat> Professor Paul Thomas, as I refer to him, Professor Sleepy, or is that Professor Snoozy? I always get these guys mixed up. He uh, provided a column, an opinion column, the Winnipeg Free Press, about defining the competitive election. And now says uh, in that column that pundits, including yours truly, have revised earlier forecasts that absent some kind of blunder, the NDP was heading to victory in the October election. Now the conventional wisdom is that this will be a, quote, competitive election. And one of the reasons any talk about a single ballot question that drives results involves oversimplifications. Now the NDP, under Wab Canoe, is trying to fight this election really as a single ballot issue, a single uh, ballot question issue on health care that uh, clearly was not working. And uh, as the NDP slid in the polls, you can go to uh, just do a Google search, Winnipeg Sun, Wab Canoe, and you see all sorts of headlines with all sorts of promises uh, made by the NDP. Uh, Manitoba NDP vow not to raise PSD balance books in, in uh, first term in government. Uh, Canoe vows an NDP government will be tough on crime. The latest, uh, an announcement yesterday at the University of Winnipeg, uh, Canoe pledges to see more Manitoba kids reach their 18th birthday. And this is a a combination of a health care announcement, a social services announcement uh, that he made, claiming that Manitoba is in last place when it comes to the most important thing, kids. Think about the children, Wob says. So he wants to fix the staffing crisis in health care, which I'll I'll circle back to. Uh, We want to Move heaven and earth to bend the curve when it comes to child mortality in Manitoba. Amazing that this has suddenly become an issue to Wabkanoo and the NDP. They want to increase, help increase birth weight, uh, birth rates. Want working smoke detectors in every home. Good luck with that one. Uh, including on reserves, by the way. Uh, they want MPI to work on keeping children from being injured in ATV accidents uh, and a plan to end chronic homelessness, starting with children and pregnant mothers, and that somehow ties in also to VD rates. Uh, so um, he, he tried to touch a lot of bases, but went back to the healthcare field with regards to this think about the children. Now, one of the quotes uh, that was picked off by a commenter uh, was Canoe saying that uh, we want to make sure kids grow up healthy and strong. Uh, it's something, it's just something a healthy society does and we need to do better. <clears throat> One individual disagreeing, saying it's not something a healthy society does. It's something responsible parents do. Once again, putting the blame on everyone but the people who are responsible. Keep blaming everyone else and playing the victim. You will always be victims. More money uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, financial supports were also promised uh, for expectant mothers. Uh, it was in that story. More money will not help them raise their children better. It would only supply them with more drugs and alcohol. Another commenter saying, wouldn't it be more appropriate for parents to keep their children safe around ATVs? How is it up to MPIC to do this? Excellent question. Uh, Another person pointing out, this is his third or fourth promise to a specific demographic, but as of yet, nothing made to people who pay the bills. I'm tired of raising other people's children. Now, notably, one of the members of the media 
tweeted out this uh, announcement yesterday as it was happening that Canoe promised to hire 300 nurses over two years. Well, the Conservatives have already hired 200 from the Philippines and are, have a goal for another 100. So I don't know if this is 300 on top of the 200, 300 on top of the 300, if he's going to fire the 200 that have just been hired and hire other people that he recruits or his minions recruit. I don't know what that really means. Uh, but the Conservatives well on the way. Um, and perhaps we'll get at some point in the campaign some clarification if he's talking about a total of 600 hires. Uh, as opposed to the 300, uh, and also uh, committing to the Doctors Manitoba target of hiring 400 physicians. Keep in mind, by the way, the Doctors Manitoba is, strictly speaking, a lobby group and uh, commonly and frequently gets imbued with authority, power, and moral authority that they don't really have. They're a political lobby group. Uh, promising more paramedics, home care workers, personal care staff, a plan costing $500 million over four years. So the point is that here's a reporter tweeting out that uh, this uh, announcement is $500 million over four years. Canoe made the announcement surrounded by supporters, healthcare union leaders, and healthcare workers. He will not take questions from reporters, I'm told. He won't take questions from reporters. As part of an, an uh, unless there was two announcements yesterday, but I think there's all the same one. And in this case, think about the children. Now, why would Wab Canoe not want to take questions from the media? What did he not want them to ask about? Did he not want them to ask about the costing of this program? Did he not want them to ask about, well, do you mean 300 on top of the 300 the Tories are hiring? Uh, you know, are, will you not be hiring nurses from the Philippines? And I, my own opinions about these kinds of programs of stripping countries of the nurses of today will become the uh, nursing instructors, the uh, the healthcare instructors in their home countries tomorrow, you know, in 20 years' time. I have a few opinions about about uh, divesting countries of their best and their brightest in this manner, but I set that aside. The fact is we have a nursing shortage. The Tories have been uh, moving forward to address it, as well as a doctor shortage, uh, made their, uh, have a contract agreement now with Doctors Manitoba as well. And so Canoe is trying to, you know, fight from behind on these issues that, well, I'll do it different and I'll do it better and I'll do it for more money, or maybe he's saying I'll do it for less money, but we think that that's ridiculous. But one thing he won't do is talk to the media. Why was that? And I mentioned this, I wasn't really going to use it the lead this week, but it, I mentioned it because I actually saw Wab Canoe from a distance about 35 feet, me on a roadway, and him on a sidewalk uh, in St. Boniface this morning. I assumed there was another uh, announcement as I was, just before I prepared this podcast, I didn't stop to start uh, quizzing Canoe, like stop in the middle of the street, although perhaps, uh, perhaps next time uh, he will get confronted with a couple of off-the-cuff questions as he stands on a sidewalk in St. Boniface, pondering how he's going to uh, overcome the the lead in what is now, is, as Professor Paul Thomas agrees, a competitive election with uh, a 15-point more or less poll advantage having melted away. Well, it isn't going to be restored by Wab Canoe uh, ducking the media. Now, why, again, why would a leader who wants to become Premier of the province, why would he not want to answer questions from the media? And I heard about this from two other people in the media yesterday, about that this is really, like, not just a bizarre tactic, but <clears throat> somewhat unacceptable. Well, one of the reasons is because you never know what the media is going to ask. And sometimes you get hit with a curveball or something that you weren't, you just didn't anticipate. Um, and just to provide you with an example of that, I want to harken back to Friday. Now, on Friday of last week, Canoe stood in front of an apartment uh, tower 
in the Kirkfield Park uh, constituency, uh, trying to make inroads against uh, Kevin Klein, the environment minister, in his uh, re-election bid for the Tories. Uh, talking about rent control, uh, uh, increasing, what was he, he want to increase the renter's uh, tax credit to $700, which would cost $26 million, almost $27 million annually, talking about rent control, because we know that the NDP, NDP governments love rent controls. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, uh, as well, you know, Canoe wants to tighten up on above guideline rent increases to landlords who make improvements to properties. Now, this makes you wonder what the NDP does or doesn't know about actually owning properties and what the expenses are, etc., etc. Now, similarly on Friday, you'll see how this ties together. Uh, the Liberals held a press conference at Coronation Park, close to the Home Office, which I attended, at which Dougal Lamont also promised to uh, bring forward all sorts of programs, including cracking down on rent evictions, uh, uh, people being told that they've got to leave because the building's being uh, fixed, repaired, substantively, uh, substantively upgraded, etc. Uh, he also mentioned above uh, guideline increases. Uh, but it's interesting that some media members focused on that. They didn't focus on the real purpose of his announcement on Friday, which is he says that the liberal, a liberal government would house homeless people within one day of them applying for assistance. So by 2025, no one will be living in a park or staying in a park or a bus shelter, sleeping in a park or a bus shelter. And in St. Boniface, a big issue because the bus shelters around, Saint, around uh, Taché and Goulet uh, destroyed absolute absolute literal destruction of those bus shelters over and over and over again that's in Lamont's home riding that he is fighting for re-election in himself now I set aside that Dougal Lamont and many politicians don't understand there's some people who will never will never stop want stop sleeping in parks bus shelters where they do not want to be in a within four walls they do not want the responsibility of having to take care of of a place to keep it clean to maintain personal hygiene etc 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 um i set that aside the reason why i raise this is because as i said canoe didn't want to talk to reporters dougal lamont does the liberal leader and when he makes this announcement about housing and he also mentioned the private sector and it struck me you know there's a little something here that maybe uh, should be brought up in front of the other media, and uh, thus I did. So what you're going to hear now is an exchange between myself and uh, Dewitt Lamont, and uh, it talks about private landlords, and I also raised the matter of private landlords who, uh, in the past, until the city of Winnipeg decided it wasn't such a good deal, operated housing that was... Um, how do I put this? It was a necessary component of the survival of people who are sleep rough, in between, had trouble piecing things together. Rooming houses. The city of Winnipeg went on a campaign to eliminate rooming houses. And as you'll hear, I bring up that, but I throw a question at Dougal Lamont, and I'm not saying this to criticize him, but he was totally unprepared for it. And I'm sure Wapkanoo wouldn't have a good answer either when it comes to the relationship between private landlords and candidates running for this election. Let's take a listen. This runs about four minutes. Up on the, the issue of, uh, like, that question, um, since you're talking to some extent about the city of Winnipeg and private landlords, I'll start with the private landlords first. I, I realize you may not have a definitive answer, but among your candidates, how many of them are landlords, have rental properties, and of those, how many provide rentals to low-income individuals? You know what? 
I I'll have to check. I, I would have to check with our. I, I don't know. Any hands up? Anyone? 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 All right, just one, just Peter. There okay. Could you get back to us with the, with that information? Because there are certainly people out there that would want to make sure that all politicians who endorse these kinds of programs, uh, it's easy to easy to talk the talk, yeah. less easy to walk the walk. Which brings me to my next part of. Well, let me. I'll sure. T- I'll tell you one thing. Just one of the one of the answers about that. Right now, right now, in terms of conflict of interest, it is the wild west in Manitoba. There is anybody can own anything, uh, but there has been a new law passed which comes into effect, I believe, October fourth which is much stricter in terms of uh, disclosures and conflict of interest. It's still not as strict as I would like it to be, but uh, yeah, that'll be a, something that, that is a new thing that every single MLA going in is gonna have to deal with. So there are gonna be, it is, a, it is an improved uh, conflict of interest regime. So, that, so uh, yes, so what happened with Heather Stephenson, uh, for example, voting to strip tenants of their charter rights at committee she was a landlord would not be allowed uh, in, 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 certainly in my now if I can provide a follow-up question in a slightly different direction you mentioned Mayor Gillingham yeah. one of the reasons why there's a crisis in the city of Winnipeg in regards to housing stock is that a couple of decades ago the city started a war on private landlords and on roots on single occupant rooming houses and so I'm wondering if you have any views about how to influence the city or suggest the city that they revisit those issues and restore the kind of housing that used to take care of the kinds of individuals that we are now seeing populate our parks, especially here in St. Boniface, where both of us have offices. Yeah, yeah. Does, does the city not have a role to play in terms of their zoning and their other regulations? To, to, because, a lot, listen, a lot of people are comfortable in that environment because it's supportive. There's other people from the same kinds of circumstances as them. So it's not all, rooming houses are not all negative. They didn't used to be all negative, but the city just went on a campaign to drive landlords out of business. Maybe that's what's missing from this equation to some extent. Uh, I have a different, uh, I have a different interpretation for why people, why homelessness is so bad, which has got to do with the price of housing and debt and all sorts of other things rather than... Rather than lack of supply? We have an enormous number of empty houses and in empty buildings right now, and we have people living on the street. So yeah, it is. It's not just a. Yeah, look. Would you see? Would would you would you see SROs? Would you see SROs run by private landlords, single single room occupancy? Would you see that rooming houses, etc.? You mentioned the Bell Hotel. That's a a version of it. The Royal Albert turned into something like that. Would you favor providing tools so that? Uh, private landlords would be able to provide that kind of housing oh, no, to the homeless. It's actually, uh, to be very clear, as John Gerard mentioned, if you look at the Medicine Hat example, it's not just, it's not about public, it's about having trusted relationships with trusted landlords. So if there are trusted land, and you build trust to say, the person who, the organization that is trying to place an individual who's been homeless, they're trusted, they have a good relationship with a private landlord. This is not, it's, and it's about safety and, and about making sure that it happens, but we, we're not shutting out private landlords in any way. We're just saying that but absolutely there have to be standards of safety and security, which in many cases just don't exist. I've met people who are homeless and that that's the issue, that they're... They're safer not being where they were. I, I talked, look, in, in October 2019, outside my office window, the Osborne Bridge, there were people living under the Osborne Bridge and there was a fire there. And I went and talked to them, and one of them was a woman in her 60s because she felt it was too unsafe to live in a, a rooming house, a multi-room rooming house. Right? Mm-hmm. So, no, we, we still have a problem with safety and security. 
that has to be insured by but, but private landlords are part of the equation as well. We're not really if only you had seen the look at not only on on Lamont's face but on 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 John Gerard's face and John's known me for many years and like that was you could see from the looks on the faces including the looks of the face of the reporters that was a hell of a good question you're talking about private landlords providing some relief or getting involved in getting people off the streets well how many of your own uh, caucus members own candidates own property how many are have rental properties and how many rent to people at welfare rates how many rent to people that are down and out and take on that risk of those who 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 are using actively using drugs because believe me the last thing you really want is to be a landlord when you've got somebody who's using meth on a regular basis uh, relying on them to maintain the property or maintain their apartment or whatever maintain their suite you get the idea um now they, they referenced the medicine hat model that john gerard pulled me aside spoke about that there's a lot of supports for landlords including a fund for extraordinary repairs that may come up as people try to settle in and get addiction services, etc. They're very committed to this medicine hat model, uh, which, as Lamont pointed out, was you know from Alberta, you don't really expect these kinds of helpful programs for, the, for people that are homeless or a step above homelessness, etc. But you heard that back and forth. And uh, granted, uh, um, you know, if I wanted to ask Dougal Lamont what he thought of Heather Stephenson, uh, you know, maybe I'll ask him next time. Not really what I was asking about at all, but at least there was some dialogue there, with some back and forth. And it was about subjects that Lamont wasn't expecting. But to his credit, he took the questions. He tried to develop some kind of response. He said that they would get back to me after canvassing their candidates about how many own rental properties, which one of the candidates there, sorry, I'd say I didn't catch the fellow's name. Uh, we had a brief just an introduction afterwards through Dr. Gerard. So he does own, uh, evidently, one rental property. But it's a hell of a good question, isn't it? You know, time and time again, you expect governments, you expect their caucuses uh, to develop legislation about things that they don't have real-life experience with. Now, who has real-life experience with hydro dams? Uh, you know, you have experience paying your hydro bill. I get that. But something like, especially like... Um, uh, like conditions for rental properties, you know, pr- property, you know, prop matters involving home ownership, apartments, etc. Those things in general, it's really helpful if you have anybody in the government who actually knows what it's like to manage a property, what it's like to deal with difficult tenants, what it's like to have to deal with the RTB that will then give people rights to stay in buildings that they need to be thrown out of for the safety and protection of others. I hearken back to my days managing, on behalf of Darren Jorgensen, the Royal Albert Hotel, where uh, we were confronted with a ridiculous problem of individuals who would leave the fire doors open in what is uh, uh, regulated as a hotel. But because these people had been in the hotel longer than 30 days, they were now suddenly renters with the rights of anybody. It had like a residential tenancy agreement, which is absurd. Because they couldn't get a residential tenancy agreement. They could only stay in a, like a single-room occupancy hotel. Because nobody else would rent to them. And then hotels, in this instance, like the Royal Albert was, this goes back about six, seven, eight years, gets, got stuck with these problem tenants with no relief for the rentalsman's agency. Uh, because they didn't care if the fire doors were left open and endangered the other customers, so to speak. So... If MLAs, if political leaders don't have experience with this kind of stuff, then uh, it's hard to trust any legislation they come forward. And it's inevitably skewed, not for the best interest for the public good, but rather skewed to try to attract votes, try to appeal to people in this manner or that manner. Uh, Nonetheless, 
as I uh, go back to this, two points I want to make. One, Dougal Lamont took the question. He said he'll come back with an answer. I know he knows I'm going to have more questions for him. We'll see one day how Wab Canoe handles a similar situation. We'll see whether Wab Canoe, maybe I'll have to send an inquiry over to them. I'll have to find out who their press agent is and ask how many of their candidates own rental properties. And of those, how many rent to people that are, uh, are on social assistance? Might be a good question. One other thing pointed out to me that I forgot to mention in the preamble about Canoe and think of the children. He talks about... Uh, mortality rate, which is a legitimate thing to talk about. And he talks about support, prenatal support, and and uh, and being concerned about uh, fire detectors. And uh, kids, uh, again, how is MPI supposed to save kids from MTV accidents? I, like, I don't know. But one thing Wapkinu apparently did not mention when it comes to, and what was his overarching goal, as the headline said, that he wants more Manitoba children to reach their 18th birthday. And you know what doesn't appear to have been mentioned whatsoever? The biggest factor, the biggest risk to children uh, not reaching their 18th birthday in Manitoba? Participation in street gangs. And on that subject, Wab Canoe was entirely, apparently, silent. Isn't that interesting? Crime Court's public safety update up on the other side of this break with more of the Great Canadian Talk Show. You're listening to Marty Gold. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto. Vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars. 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. That's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. MidpointAutomotive.ca. The phone number, 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code. T-A-L-K, the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. The Crime Courts and Public Safety Update is sponsored by... Jamrock Security, for your home, your family, your business, your employees, and for your community. Jamrock provides affordable protection solutions. Call 204-880-1564 or go online, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. Back with more of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast just before I uh, get into what I know you're going to find very uh, interesting and entertaining. Uh, I want to thank the good people of Richard Manitoba who hosted CWE Wrestling, a Ducks Unlimited fundraiser that was just had a great response uh, at the uh, Dawson Trail, I guess the Dawson Trail Park uh, complex. Uh, our, our second year there, and next year uh, they're going to try to maneuver us to be the feature attraction for the wind-up of the Richer Rodeo, which I didn't even know existed, but that's become a really very popular event. Uh, and uh, we had a wonderful time uh, there on uh, on Saturday. Uh, for those of you that uh, do care, the two or three of you, I did manage to sur- survive my return to the ring on Friday night, although I was vanquished uh, in the course of the tag match. But... Uh, 
managed to unload some solid offense. And so there's a little bit of gas left in this tank, apparently. A couple more matches left in me. Maybe one of these days we'll, we'll do something to convince some of y'all to come out and be entertained and watch me let the bad guys have it. Crime Court's public safety update brought to you by Jamrock Security. And we thank them, of course, for sponsoring these segments through the election campaign. Going to be uh, something I remember the last time uh, there was no courts uh, uh, component, but there is a courts component that uh, was just bizarre. But first, very quickly, rounding things up. Another homicide attached to Furby Street. It's 1995 all over again. In this case, although I was guessing it was uh, west, uh, sorry, uh, south of Broadway. In fact, this occurred between Ellis and Sargent. And from some media reports, it sounded like and I kind of hate to say this, considering what I raise is a possible um, uh, solution to to the homelessness of some people. Evidently, this had something to do with what appears to have been a rooming house between Ellis and Furby. That was shortly after midnight on Saturday, where a, uh, a 38-year-old was found gunned down uh, in a suite. It says in a home, so I'm not really... Yeah, home. Who knows if it was a common area or a bedroom or whatever. In any event... Uh, Corey Roger Roulette from Winnipeg uh, died uh, on the uh, in the hospital in critical condition. He was taken, and uh, whoever did this had fled the scene before the authorities arrived, and so the search is on with regards to that. I think I'm just going by memory. I think that's homicide number twenty two. I think this year, um, police looking for help with a stabbing that occurred on June the 20th uh, in the 3000 block of Portage. I think that might've been, again, going by memory, I think that might've been someone around a bus stop. Uh, in any event, a, a fellow was very severely injured by a number of staff of uh, being stabbed a number of times and police have no leads. They're asking the public uh, for any uh, video footage that might be around. Now, while the cops are working hard attending to murder scenes and dealing with murder investigations, homicide investigations, uh, a commendation for them found online on Facebook, uh, and I believe this was in the River Heights group, commending Winnipeg police officers, wrote an individual, who returned our Instacart order that was stolen off of our front porch. It was unattended for literally 17 minutes. Buddy on a motorized scooter stole a package in the neighborhood, the doorbell camera activated, and thank you to the smart individual who called the police to catch the low-life deadbeat as they traveled down the street in a motorized scooter picking off packages. And this kind of stuff has become commonplace in our city. And you know what? This porch thievery, porch piracy, you never hear a single city councilor or mayor address that at all. Now, uh, with regards to uh, to what I said, the courts component, I know you love doing crime stories. This is a crime story. I listen to your take on this family's white privilege, a story found at CBC sent to me by a longtime dear close personal friend from the journalism business, wanting to know what I think. This story is really... Not what you'd expect. Judge denies Tuxedo family's request to end embarrassing and disruptive police curfew checks. 
So this involves a family that only moved to Tuxedo a couple of years ago. They scrimped and saved to be able to own a house in the traditional ritzy neighborhood of Winnipeg. Uh, they, they profess to be more middle class, and that doesn't mean they're living beyond their means, uh, but maybe they're trying to uh, move it on up, right? Move it on up to the Tuxedo side. Daniel Bell is a 21-year-old charged with numerous, numerous crimes. Uh, he had a condo at Sturgeon Creek. And on June 20th, oh, same day as this other unfortunate fellow was stabbed nearly to death in West Winnipeg, not far from it, Bell Sturgeon Creek condo was raided. Police seized 3D printed firearms, ammo, 3D printed hard knuckles, hard body armor, and about $570 worth of what I believe are magic mushrooms. I believe that's the scientific name I'm staring at on this screen. So there was a lot going on in that condo. He was arrested as part of Project Reproduction, which was targeting 3D printed firearms in an investigation. Uh, he was believed to be involved in an online purchase of a 3D printed firearm parts. I'm pretty sure we talked about that on this podcast, but without some of these details. So uh, this young fellow, this 21-year-old, is now unable to have a social life due to the conditions of his bail. This is punitive for a person of 21 years. His mom wrote to the court. They were not aware when they posted bail, they say, that it could take 18 months at least for their son's case to work its way through the court. Now that uh, seems odd that they didn't realize how long it would take, but the reason why it's a big deal is he's living at home with mommy and daddy. He's only allowed out with one of them accompanying him unless he's going to or at work or at university so he's been bailed he's allowed to go to university they paid uh, they put up a half a million dollars surety to get him out they paid ten thousand dollars cash bell the 21 year old put up fifty thousand that alone was a great punishment for a decent and good middle class young man with no prior offenses But since being released on bail to live with us, Daniel has been repeatedly traumatized by curfew checks at her home day and night. The CBC story did not mention the parents by name. So we're assuming that their last name is also Bell, but I don't know who these folks are. They argued that uh, he's being harassed by the application of the curfew checks. Uh, they've shown up 22 times over th- a period of 53 days, knocking on the door in the middle of the night while they're asleep. The father works, the son works. This is unfair. Now, one thing I agree with them on, there is a picture from the home of the police with their headlights on, pulled into the neighbor's driveway and disturbing the neighbors. Um, that does come across as an intimidation tactic. They are very concerned with what the neighbors think Our reputation on our street is being severely jeopardized, is what the father wrote in his affidavit. An extreme violation of our human rights. It's cruel and abusive. The police actions amounted to being, quote, terrorized. Now, I can tell you from some experience, not me personally in terms of having a curfew or anything like that, but I've been around these situations, seen them, uh, 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 in, in, in real life, seeing them, what happens in the hotel business, right, with residents of a hotel uh, or people in a bar in a hotel when they're supposed to be at home in their bed. So I've seen what happens. And this is a little much. 22 
at, at checks in 53 days. But that tells you how seriously the police take that this fellow was seemingly involved, allegedly involved in printing untraceable firearms and in the possession of ammunition. Uh, not what you'd expect from your average 21-year-old university student. The judge uh, in this case uh, refusing to uh, to be humored by this application for relief. The fact he's gotten bail, in my view, is quite remarkable, said Justice Herbert Rempel. Uh, he calls the curfew checks a minor inconvenience. Mr. Bell, you are extremely fortunate to be out. The fact you have the inconvenience of curfew checks and disrupted sleep, I think, is just a minor inconvenience that you're going to have to deal with in the circumstances. His lawyer is Chad Sutherland. Uh, said that uh, it wasn't anticipated the police would be checking with such frequency that it would impact their lives in such a massive way. Well, they could withdraw their surety, but then the kid's going to get locked up. But that would relieve them of the burden of this. Justice Rempel, in replying to the application for uh, for relief to have the bail that bail, the curfew uh, revoked from the bail conditions, so that there wouldn't be the constant curfew checks, suggesting that the request was. Uh, Want them wanting a get-out-of-bail-free card. Pretty funny, in my opinion. Now, we're assuming they're white. The, the comment to me was it was white privilege. I don't really see it necessarily being um, connected to anybody's eth- uh, uh, racial background, uh, but it is connected to their sense of being, of having social status and not wanting it impaired. Um, now, it is true. Now, they say that the police are, sh- were, you know, they'll come around the house, they'll shine lights through the windows. And it can definitely, you know, to any homeowner, this can definitely be frightening. And I do wonder because most often in the experiences I've had, police will call, they'll make a phone call for a curfew check and even say, we're coming over or produce yourself. You know, you can come to where we are if for whatever reason you're out with a parent, you can drive over, uh, uh, you know, with them. You know, you've gone on an A&W run or something and the cops, well, we'll come drive, we'll come to you and you'll see us with our A&W bags and, and like that. So usually the police aren't this um, aggressive. Usually they do not prowl around property. My, again, based on what I've seen, what I know, what I've heard. So this is kind of escalated, these curfew checks. But my guess is that something went on where young Daniel must have really pissed off the cops during the course of the bust or during uh, when he was being held. Um, There's some antagonism, uh, certainly, is at play here. And I'm guessing there's something as yet untold by the media, and it could be because there's a a publication ban of some sort, but there's something as yet untold about his associations, that they want to make sure that he's not associating with these individuals that may similarly have been charged as part of this investigative project with regards to the printing of 3D guns. I also think uh, the lawyer, and I'm not a lawyer, Duncan Gutt, uh, that he needed to reconsider what he was putting before the court because the parents just come off like absolute whiners and uh, would obviously didn't impress Mr. Justice Rempel. I'm not clear why they weren't named, because personally, if I was doing the story, I would have named the parents. Um, but I almost wonder if if he, and maybe he did try, uh, the, uh, the lawyer, Mr. Sutherland, I, and I'm not criticizing him, uh, I'm not criticizing him because of any knowledge I, I have of how the case was handled, but I would have thought that normally uh, the late, great David Gutman would have gone to the Crown, said, listen, you guys, can't we work something out here? It's a little much. And 
you know, then he could have even suggested the Crown move, uh, put the matter before the courts, and let the courts set some different ground rules or something. Um, but clearly there's a great antagonism there. Clearly the police uh, believe this guy has to be kept on the straight and narrow. Uh, and, and I agree, it, it is embarrassing to the family, and, uh, and, and it is a heavy hand, but uh, according to the court, it's within the bounds of propriety. And again, the family can relieve themselves of this burden by withdrawing the surety. Uh, uh, but uh, they don't want to see young Daniel Bell spend time um, locked up with uh, other alleged and or convicted criminals. Uh, the biggest and best solution to all of this, don't start printing up 3D gun parts, brass knuckles, and being in possession of prohibited items. What was this kid thinking? Now look at the grief. And you know, this lesson, whether they're white, black, purple, green, whatever, this is a good lesson that parents can tell kids when they start getting a little antsy in the pantsy. If you get in trouble and you think we're going to bail you out so the police are hammering on our door at four in the morning to make sure that you haven't skipped out, you're going to have another thing coming. Certainly know what my father told me if I was, uh, when we first, and not just my dad, but Jewish parents had a particular line of attack when it came to their kids getting of age, getting their driver's licenses, and uh, potentially over imbibing, overindulging. Laws were a lot different back then in terms of, uh, of, of what was legal or not legal for uh, uh, people to drink while driving, uh, you know, beginner's licenses. And so we didn't have all that. You just got your license. But the parents all made very clear, whether it was my family, whether it was, oh my God, whether it was the Lachines, the Ritters, the Goldbergs, or anybody else. If you get pulled over and you're impaired and you blow and they arrest you, Good luck, because you're on your own. You can rot. That's what we were told, and guess what? None of us got pulled over impaired. So sometimes, you know, people, kids do get scared into, into doing the straight and narrow thing. Uh, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on this case as it moves forward through the courts, uh, as well as uh, all other matters. Thank you for the tip, that longtime close personal friend in the journalism business, and uh, all of you, journalists or otherwise, you have tips uh, stories you want me to comment on, you want me to look into deeper, by all means, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Your support is urgently requested as we enter the home stretch, uh, not the home stretch, but entering into the actual election period, and then we will be entering into the home stretch. Um, I did mention that I did get a few words with people in rural Manitoba this past weekend uh, about the issues in their uh, constituency and their riding. I'm going to actually piece that together for uh, one of the next podcasts coming up. Talk, uh, you know, go beyond the perimeteritis. And talk about what's important uh, outside of the city uh, as well, because we're all Manitobans, even though Winnipeg holds the balance of power, uh, clearly, uh, with regards to the results uh, that are going to come out in the legislature. I'm going to continue to follow these on your behalf. And, of course, that comes with your support. And my thanks, once again, a couple of people named David continuing to contribute support. Stuart as well, your support, much appreciated over this summer. Uh, the sponsorship of Jamrock Security of these segments, it's integral. As long as this support comes in, I continue to treat this as my primary job, my primary purpose, along with the other things I do, the consulting, the hosting live events, etc. But this is where it's at for me. 
because we know that the closure of mainstream media newsrooms, the contraction, the fact that there's like almost no radio coverage, no call-in shows, where is the where are people supposed to air their voice? Where is their platform? And who asks the questions that hold elected officials and candidates accountable and responsible? You know where it is. It's right here with the Great Canadian Talk Show. Because always, I respect the fact that when it comes to what's going on in our city, in our province, in our communities, that at the end of the day, you have the power. When you support the Great Canadian Talk Show, your donation makes sure that the investigations, the interviews, the fact-finding, the truth-telling can carry on. When you sponsor the Great Canadian Talk Show, you're telling the community that you think their stories matter. Our public affairs coverage continues to make a difference, challenging the slanted media narratives and giving a voice to the community. When you provide funding for The Great Canadian Talk Show, you're supporting old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. Support TGCTS today. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.